Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Can I kick it? Kick it. Greetings and salutations from the Old National <laughs> Bank studio on State Street. It's Mark Zander and Brian Hanley on ESPN 1000. Do you remember what movie that's from? No, I don't, but I got I laughed because John Grahowski, who was a copy editor, at, and he's, he still does baseball uh, pieces for the Chicago Sun-Times, every day he walked in the office, he would say, greetings and salutations. That is from the movie Christian Slater said that line in the movie Airheads. I believe that was the movie, but I know it was Christian Slater. Well, this was well before Christian Slater, I think, was even born, so I don't... Well, John, then, that wow. Was yeah, I mean... Well, Airheads is a Airheads is probably a thirty-year-old movie by now. Well, let's see. This would be like nineteen eighty-five. I, I do the math. I, yeah. yeah okay. Well, what? Yeah. And whatever. It, interesting. Yeah, but that, interesting. I just laughed because I mean, every single day you walked in. That's the, <laughs> well, the you're first words I was. Yeah, yeah, I, I, find, you. I made you laugh right out of the uh, box. Well, you ne- you need to because I, I watched the White Sox. I so. know. I know. And by the way, by the way, I am officially a hold in this morning. You're a hold in. Yeah, I'm not a hold out. I'm a hold in. I'm oh. here and I'm just not not really ready because the coffee hasn't kicked in. So I'm oh, a hold okay. in officially. Okay. That's little, probably uh, going to change as the show goes on. But that's that's my official. Yeah. yeah. You need to mainline that? Or yeah. What yeah, I, I, I must. I must. I don't have a needle. Around. Did you go to Metallica on Thursday? I did not. I'm oh, not going to Lala to see Metallica. I know. I know. It was great. It was great. I know. I know. You know what? I just... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the, the idea, the idea yeah. of fighting the crowds and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I saw him, uh, and I'll see him again at some point, and I'm sure it was a great show. I know that I could have watched it from home because I had a friend on Twitter say it was on Hulu. Oh, there was a channel it, yeah. that I don't know if there were some specific parts of Lala that was on Hulu or whatever, but yeah, you know what? Been there, done that. I don't. Uh, I really don't want to be that guy, but I'm. I'm that well, I'm guy right you. now. Yeah, it, it takes. It would take a lot of effort to yeah. fight the crowds and and. And not only that, it. I'm nowhere near the city now. You know, coming into yeah. work is great, but uh, on an off day, coming into the city and fighting all the traffic and fighting the crowds and everything. Yeah, been there, done that. You know, just yeah. just not feeling it. And uh, maybe that might have been. Although that was the off day for the Sox, and it, arguably oh, yesterday well. was an off day too. <laughs> Yeah, and and the day before Thursday was an off day. Uh, I mean, you know. Okay, so we went through the stretch of, what, 15 games in 14 days and how important could be season changing because you're playing division opponents. And and then we get the one earlier in the week. Well, it's the next 19 games are against crap teams. They didn't say that. I did. Um, so this is this is the e- well people say this is the easy part of the schedule right and nothing is easy games. for the White Sox no. stop saying that nothing no. is easy for the White Sox if we had six games against the Reds or the Pirates right now that doesn't mean anything nope nothing nope. is easy for the White Sox so stop and, with the easy schedule stuff and, and and at least they said it during the week uh, I think uh, AJ said it you know his approach is 
don't take anything for granted. And you're what you're not. You're in a five. You're not. You're not a, even a five hundred team. You don't. You can't take anything for granted. Nothing. You, you are you're, right now. You're just a team. You're not a great. You're team. a mediocre team right now. You're, Let's I, I, call and, it what and, it is. Medio, mediocre. And against the Rockies, you know, here come the the base running errors. Where you know, where are you going, Lurie? I mean, just you can't. Make oh, that don't out get of me third. started. That set me I mean, literally, almost, almost literally on fire. Right. When that happened. I mean, it, it, it sure, I mean, you can't make the third out of an inning at third base when you had nowhere to go. And then, you know, Jose Abreu at second. How many times have we seen it? And, I, I'm you know, just. How many guys I, have right. we seen it from? Right. Now, look, the Jose thing, I'm going to give him a bit of grace. That was a hard line drive. Yeah. And that happens. The Laori thing, that's, that's just awful. dumb ass base running. That, yeah. There's nothing other to say about that. Than dumbass base running, and then we have Tim Anderson last night to oh. thank our leader, changed the you know Mister Change the game. He pulled a selfish move. First of all, you know if you're a baseball f- professional, I'm not a baseball professional, and I know not to argue with the ump because chances are you're going to get kicked out. Well, don't get in his grill and, and well, and well, make he got kicked either. out for uh, no. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's even worse. And he's right. a repeat offender, which means he will be suspended yep. for at least a game, if not more. But but here's the thing, Mister Leader of our team, which I don't believe he's our leader at all. I uh, uh, you know I bought into everything last year, but when times go bad, where's our leader? Secondly, he pulled a selfish move we're supposed to be a better team with him in the lineup which hasn't really always panned out but then he takes himself out of the game and probably another game or two with a suspension because of what he did that's not a leader so anybody who says that tim anderson is our leader on the south side mm -mm, that's not the case jose is i just wish he was more vocal we could use an acquisition of a real leader for that clubhouse because Tony's not one either. Yeah, well, here's, and, and I'm glad you brought Tony up because it's not, you know, uh, fire Tony chant time. But I have it right here. I will fire it off at any moment. Well, you know, back to the base running. You know, yeah. Tony, can you, go, can you go back to the old fiery Tony? Because he said of those errors, we, you know, all we have to do is coach him up. Okay, well, we're about to turn the, the when, calendar over. Yeah, 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 sooner than later would be, you know, like May would have been good. And, and then he said, but we don't want to coach the aggressiveness out of him. That isn't aggressive. That's stupid. They're, they're, yeah, they're know, two different things. Yeah, no doubt. Don't tell me aggressive because, you know, every so he's always there to explain away. And he always falls back on that aggressive uh, uh, crutch, and yep. it, it's. It, uh, I'm, I'm tired of it. It's time that he says we can't have any more of that. Th- that ends today. That's the last time. I can't abide it. We can't. We, we're not in the position with the luxury. We don't have that. Okay, stop. He doesn't have fire in his belly. He doesn't have emotion. There's actually a sound panel here which Jake puts together for us for every mm-hmm. show. Yeah, and uh, there's one that says Contreras emotional post game, which we will end up hearing. I would yeah. like to see one someday that says. Larusa emotional post game, perfect, right? Haven't that would be it. great. And I asked yeah. Jake, do we have an emotional Larusa cut? I got him no. coughing and umming. <laughs> oh, well, that's just that's, that, just, that's yeah. not emotion. That's about as close to emotion as we'll get from Tony at this point, no. probably. That's because the team's choking. 
Um, I, I just, you know, and, and thankfully, uh, Courtney Cronin's going to uh, talk bears with us early in the show. Yeah, and, change you know, it, change our course of thinking not for that just a little not, bit. Yeah, not that, I mean, uh, the offensive line was a jigsaw puzzle coming into camp, and now three days later. Hey, at oh, least we still have some kind of hope. How much hope do we have on the south side now? Well, yeah, because it's only training camp, and the, the pads come on Monday, so yeah. we haven't even gotten that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the white... Can you believe they haven't been two games over? If, if I told you the last time they were two games over, what was the record? Uh, it, it was like maybe 17 and 15. No, and not four. even April. Yeah, six and four. yeah, not even six April. That's too four. much. Yeah, six and it was four. April. That's six right. That, they went on that run. Their, think about their, that. their best run of the year. Six so and four. Yeah. You, haven't, you haven't been two games over break even since that six. And, I mean, what, what are we doing here? But Brian, you're right. You know the 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 idea that Tony and that's it's a great way to frame it. He explains things away. He's yeah. done that all year, and that is exactly not the Tony that I remember from when I was in high school when he was managing the team the first time. Yeah, and it's great that Laurie said, "Oh, I can't do that." Okay, well, th- th- stop telling me you can't do it. Just don't do it. You know, well, it'd be great that Laurie wasn't played so much. Well, and then, and that's at not this on point. Him. It, yeah, yeah. I know it's not. I yeah. know it's not. And at this point, I would like to see Colas brought up before I want to see Laori play too much. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess we're Tuesday at five o'clock Chicago Central Time. The trade deadline, uh, the trade uh, close, the, the deadline comes to an end, and that's it. The Seattle Mariners, you see what they did last yes. night? Yes. Castillo, that is a hell of a pickup. And that team. Immediately now, for me, that team is a real danger coming out of the this, AL. They're holding the second wild card spot, and they just mortgaged their future because they wanted this year to be the year. And they gave five prospects, including the top three in their system. It's a bold, bold move, and that's yeah, what you do when you really want it. Right, and, and you know, again, if you know the White Sox don't have just one thing that they have to do. It's not like, boy, if we just need it, we need one more starter and we're set to go for October. Right. You know, we just need one more bat and we're ready to go. You know, if we, we just wish that we were that close, we should right. be on paper. We are that close, but because of the lack of discipline, and and I will go ahead and say it. I've just about had enough. The lack of leadership and the lack of discipline. We are not maximizing the talent we have. So no one piece that Rick Hahn will be able to acquire will fix this problem. So one one of our Twitter polls today is what do the White Sox need most? A lefty power bat, which we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, bullpen help. Jesse's been talking about it for two years. Absolutely. And yep. I, I'll get to David Robertson. I've been trying to sell you him for a month or so. And uh, If Darryl he's Vince, cheap, I'll take him. Well, he, he's certainly financially cheap. I mean, he, Right. Well, I mean, to get him from the Cubs if he's yeah. cheap. Well, I mean, he's 37. And right, he's right. He can't cost much. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, he's a rental player. But mm-hmm. we'll get to some of the names that are now being associated with the White Sox. But in the final, so it's it's lefty power bat, it's bullpen help, it's a new manager. I couldn't help myself. I had to throw the new manager. <laughs> right. I, at yeah, this point, the, you got to throw everything against the wall. Yeah. I know it's not happening, but the meathead in me just, you know, you know I, I just, you had to do it. He could wake up. He could wake up after the trade deadline and say, you know what, maybe I'm not the guy. <sighs> well, it, it, I, I, I don't. I mean, I'd like chances to see that. are that's not going to happen, but yeah. maybe you never know. Yeah, can you go get Aaron Judge in the off season? Yeah. How about forty-one home runs for one guy and and August? a home run saving catch? 
Yeah, how about that? Two two home runs yesterday. I he didn't have to out. jump much. He's like six eight. Oh, good lord! I someone tweeted out and I retweeted it. This was before the two home runs yesterday. Aaron Judge had thirty nine home runs, and I think it was five White Sox total. I know. I saw runs. that. I saw that. Uh, I, saw I mean, that. and again, you know, it, there does seem to be a correlation for the White Sox that when they hit a home run or two, they win the game, and they don't do that nearly often enough. But Aaron Judge now joins Babe Ruth to have forty-one home runs before. Amazing, August. and and That's this a is a yeah. club. And this is not the uh, this is not the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire days. No, we're up no. against the break. We've got Courtney Cronin, Bears reporter for ESPN. We are going to uh, have her join us after the break to talk about camp, what she's seen, and what we can look forward to as they'll uh, kind of ramp things up this coming week. It's Hanley and Xander on ESPN One Thousand. We'll be right back. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Xander and Hanley on ESPN 1000 on a Saturday morning. We've got Courtney Cronin, Bears reporter for ESPN 1000, joining us. Courtney, good morning. How are you? Morning, I'm good. How are you guys? Good. I told Brian that I was a hold in today. Not quite ready for work, <laughs> but I'm here. Is uh, that Roquan's standstill? You know, it's interesting because um, they took a player off the pup yesterday. The pup list that he got put on on Wednesday, and it wasn't uh, who we thought it was going to be. It's Sam Kamara, who's a defensive lineman. So they've only got one remaining on the pup list, and that is Roquan Smith. It's It's just a strange situation because... The contract holdout was the elephant in the room that Ryan Poles wisely addressed without going into the details of where things stood with the contract negotiations, even not answering whether Roquan was still representing himself. Uh, because last we checked, that was still the case. But, you know, he was kind of just talking about it in terms of, like, how challenging that can make um, negotiations and all of that, but really didn't go too into depth on that so then the next day they put him on the pup list and i think it's a way that you know will will kind of stymie some of the questions that you know are asked uh because he's on pup right like he's got an injury right like so we can't you know that until he comes off of that you know there's there's no real uh need for the team to address it publicly but i would imagine that if he does get a contract extension in the next couple of weeks um that he'll be off of that relatively quickly. It's, it's we, you know, as far as, like, where things stand with that, like, had he not been on pup, we were all fully expecting that he would be holding in at practice, which means, you know, the team was still able to find him. And, and you wonder, like, was the, was the pup list? And then, oh, just miraculously, he had an injury along with that, too. Like, is that a way of them kind of doing him a solid and not finding him, uh, but trying to work this thing out and not alienate your best defensive player. There's a whole lot that goes into it. It's certainly different than the other hold-ins we've seen in the league, but you know, maybe it's a good sign for Roquan Smith, albeit it's a different position, but DK Metcalf was holding in at, at Seahawks practice, and that one got solved relatively quickly. So the Bears can hope that they can get something done with Smith uh, in the shorter term rather than the longer term so they'd be able to have him out there for practice courtney can you make the case that given where the bears are at as a team and and beginning a rebuild that roquan smith who is their best player i'm not only on defense arguably the best player on the roster that it would behoove ryan poles to move him and get as much as he can because you have a lot of needs here moving forward 
Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think that when when they let go of their other veterans on defense who were building blocks before the guys that they built around Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, um, you know, the list goes on and on. And they keep someone like Roquan Smith. He's 25 years old. Um, he's had an incredible career so far since he got here as the eighth overall pick in 2018. I don't feel like you part ways with someone you want to build your defense around, somebody who is very much, as you mentioned, the best player on this team. I, I, I think it's too soon to do that. Even if you are in a long-term rebuild, you still need to have good players to build around. So to me, that would be short-sighted if they wanted to move on from him um, because they are at the very beginning stages of this. He's someone you build around, not somebody that you move. I, I agree. I would hate to see them lose uh, Roquan Smith. But like Brian said, there are so many needs, and uh, we actually um, we actually heard you. I can't remember if you were uh, which show you were talking to uh, just yesterday or the day before. But I heard you say something that I, I wanted to bring up. That uh, Luke Getzey said his plan for the offense is not something that is going to make okay players great. It is going mm-hmm. to basically use them to the best of their abilities. It is not going to make them something that they're not. Can you expound on that? Yeah, so like I think the common notion is when, you know, you go out with the old and with the new, brand new offense, an offense that you know, Luke Getze brought from Green Bay, which was different from what they were running last year in Fields rookie year. Like I think the notion is, oh my goodness, this is gonna like just make this guy skyrocket and it's gonna you know make Justin Fields into Joe Montana like that's always the sort of notion that we run into when there is a new system installed and this is a quarterback driven scheme Luke Getze said that the day he was hired so as it pertains to Fields I think it's just like realizing within the confines of this offense it's going to bring out the most in him so what does that mean it means he's not dropping back 45 times a game and allowing the pass rush to tee off on him because it's obvious that he's not gonna, they're not running the ball. So they're going to go try to kill the quarterback because there's a tell there. Like that is literally what that is. And so for, for, for Getsy installing this offense and for Justin Fields, it's going to rely heavily on the run scheme. Um, I mean, we've seen variations of this, like Kubiak Shanahan system, like my, you know, Matt LaFleur came from, from that tree. And obviously Luke Getsy's in that too. So what does that mean for a quarterback? It means a lot of play actions. It means changing your launch points. It means not dropping back to the exact same place that you're always doing it um, and, and making your life harder. The outside zone scheme, what that means for a rushing attack, that takes pressure off of a quarterback. Like quarterback doesn't need – honestly, unless you're Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady and even at these, this point of both of their careers, they need some help uh, elsewhere on offense. And, and so, look, I think that – in tempering some of the expectations, because I just feel like a lot of fans sometimes hear, oh, brand new offense. Aaron Rodgers was in this offense. Aaron Rodgers was a two-time MVP. Justin Fields is on that trajectory. <laughs> right. like, there's so few scheme-transcendent quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, so few. I count three of them. I count Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. That's it. And so you, you can't expect that – Justin Fields is going to be something that he's not. Just on top of the fact that like we don't truly know what he is as an NFL quarterback yet, he's also in year two, so he's learning. It's not like you expect him to be a polished product of somebody who's 37 years old and just played in this offense last year. So 
you know, what, what Getsy was saying, because I think somebody had mentioned, it was a question phrased along the lines of, you know, how much different is it going to be? How much different are players going to look in it? And it's, you know, you, you don't, the scheme's not meant to make anybody more than who they are and what they are. It's just meant to put them in the best position and within the confines of the offense, like bring out their best potential and put them in situations to reach their potential. And, and speaking of putting someone in the best situation to, to reach their potential, Ryan Pace didn't do that with Tevin Jenkins. Um, he was the only GM reportedly that envisioned him as a starting left tackle in this league when he was playing right tackle in college. And now he might not even be the backup right tackle. And I don't know if they're going to try him at right guard at some point. I, I tweeted out in, in the spring when he was when he lost the first uh, string reps that he's halfway down the road to Busville, and people immediately said, you're out of your mind, it's too early to tell. Well, I'd say he's about three-quarters of the road to, to Busville, at least with the Bears. He seems like a nice guy and all, but uh, it, it seems like this administration is making a quick decision on Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, and I know that Matt Eberflew said yesterday the reason he's not out there is because he's, quote-unquote, dealing with something with the trainers. So um, unless it's like a serious injury, as we found out with Lucas Patrick yesterday, Matt Eberflew isn't going to talk about it. So whether it's like a soft tissue thing uh, that usually like takes, you know, it's a day-to-day sort of diagnosis, they won't actually say what's going on with him and how long he'll be out. But it sounds like it's something that's not as serious, what he's been dealing with because we saw him out there the first day of practice I can understand the concern of Bears fans this guy did have off-season back surgery last year so you got to wonder from the health perspective like where where is Kevin Jenkins but on the on-field perspective you know seeing him as the extra lineman um you know when they're they were practicing the other day just like very um, initial stages of, of training camp on day one where that would be like the extra lineman on a, on a goal line situation. If, if they have like their jumbo formation, that's a swing tackle. Um, and, and that's not where the Bears, at least the last regime, felt Tevin Jenkins would be. Now, we know he slipped in the draft. There were some health concerns there. And the Bears this offseason made it very clear that, especially Ryan Poles, that they wanted like a different conditioning, a different fit for their offensive linemen. Jenkins told us in the spring he had lost weight. He had prioritized doing Pilates. Um, he had done a lot of things to try to get his body where it needs to be. But when you do see a fifth-round rookie in Braxton Jones, like pretty soon after he got here, supplant Tevin Jenkins at left tackle, who had been taking the left tackle wraps during the voluntary minicamp in April, and then, you know, early part of OTAs, I think it does raise a couple eyebrows. Um, it, it's tough to, like, for a franchise to give up on a second-round pick that quickly, but I think it's pretty clear, at least in the early stages, and if he does something that surprises us, then that would be great for, for him, but I think it's pretty clear what this current organization feels about a pick that was not theirs from a year ago. Right, a second-round pick from Ryan Pace is, uh, you know, probably the designation that they're, they're assigning it because, look, they're, they're are, they are making wholesale changes. Obviously, things did not work last year. A whole new regime, as you said. So anything is, is possible. Now, I want to get back to Justin Fields for a minute. Something caught my eye in the uh, athletic this past week. They graded quarterbacks in, in, uh, like pods. Tears. Like, yeah, like tears. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. And Justin Fields, Fairly or unfairly at this point, I think it's probably unfairly because, as you said, we really don't know who he is, is somewhere in the fourth tier. 
And I'm not sure, uh, I, I can't remember who contributed to this and, and what they were basing it on. Is, is that a surprise? And will Justin surprise people who are not giving him a lot of credit in that way? I don't think it's too much of a surprise considering how his rookie season went. And, I mean, a lot of that's not entirely on the quarterback. Um, he had a lot of growing pains last year that, Absolutely. you know, were, were, were a struggle for someone who had a really bad offensive line and, and got sacked at a higher rate on every drop back than any other quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, the organization didn't exactly set him up for failure. What we were talking about the run game earlier, you know, they would run the ball with David Montgomery and then they'd abandon it. Yep. That doesn't help your quarterback. The whole situation with Allen Robinson couldn't have been handled worse. So you already took away this guy's number one receiver before he even had a chance to build something with him um, in, in in last last year. Like obviously the two, the organization parted ways with with Robinson this year, and that was completely fair. And I hope he goes and succeeds somewhere else. But we all know what happened there, um, and he just wasn't involved in, in the offense, which is weird. Um, so, so I can understand. It's almost like giving him an eye for incomplete because I don't know where else you'd stash him. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL, yep. and the like the feel the the floor was last season for him. Like truly, if it's any worse than last season, then you know that you messed up at the position and you've got to start over. Which it feels like this organization doesn't. I mean, certainly they've been trying to avoid that because they've been in perennial state of rebuilding at the quarterback position and trying to find somebody that's going to stick. So I can understand why he would be there, um, but it's it, there's still like so much unknown yes. about him, and I don't know if you're going to know where to put him or at least like where to fairly put him after this season considering kind of what he lacks around him. Right, and that's why I think that it is going to be a pleasant surprise for many who think he belongs there because us watching it very, very closely, you can't grade him on last season. Brian and I have talked about that many times. You just can't. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, there's certain things, like his fatal flaw coming out of college was that he held on to the ball too long. And you saw that show up last year. Now, would anybody hold on to the ball when your offensive line looks the way that it did and, and you're, you're freaking out? You don't know where, like, the, the rush is coming from and, you know, your receivers aren't you, – you're struggling. Like, yeah, I understand that. But there's got to be ways for him this year. Like it, the Bears aren't going to have their answer after year two if he's the franchise quarterback that this team has been missing. I really truly think that that's going to come after year three because they do have a lot to spend. And I would anticipate, even though Ryan Poles is somebody who has been adamant he wants to have homegrown players and build through the draft, that's wonderful. Next year they will have a first round pick, but you've got to spend. You've got to be active players in free agency. Um, not saying you have to be the Rams and only go that route, but you do need to find upgrades on the roster and, and do it more than just guys who are here on one-year deals to help you get through the season. And that's going to help your quarterback in the end. We'll let you go, Courtney, but you mentioned uh, Luke Getze and, and you know Mark's question about uh, the system itself. He was brutally honest. He said, um, you know, he's encouraged. Everyone's encouraged the first week of camp with their guys. But he said, we have a long way to go. And that was an answer that Cole Komet gave and Justin Fields gave. Um, what about this system do you like? Is it is it a, a simple system, a system that, you know, people can pick up and adapt to? Or what is it that you like about what you've seen so far? Well, I, I watched this, a variation of this up close in Minnesota where you have an above-average quarterback 
too good quarterback. He he teeters between both um, classifications and Kirk Cousins, who, again, not a scheme transcendent quarterback, but somebody when you put him in the confines of what he can do and do well, you're going to get success out of that. And, and I certainly think that Fields has a much higher ceiling than someone like that. And seeing you know that system and what it can do for even a quarterback who at times borders mediocrity, um, it, it gives you, I think, the belief that Fields can be what he was drafted to be when they went and like you know sold got the farm for him, and it was a wise decision because they, they I mean even the even the last regime's not here, they had to do that. They, they were trying everything, so you'd like to think that this offense, the burden of this of you know carrying a team is not going to solely fall on Justin Fields in, in this scheme and. You know that you have someone like David Montgomery there, and you have a really heavy tight end group that I would anticipate will be used quite a bit, just to take the load off the quarterback. Like I think that that's the thing that should give Bears fans some um, some excitement because, well, I know that like kind of the outside expectations for this team are that they are you know a year away, if not more. Um, at least at least you're not going to put your quarterback in a situation where he has to shoulder every little thing every single game. Courtney Cronin, Bears Insider for ESPN 1000. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. It's Hanley and Xander on ESPN 1000. We'll talk Bears if you want to jump in. 312-332-3776. We'll also talk baseball. North side, south side. We have a lot of audio to play for you. And we've got all of that and more. We're here until 11. Here on ESPN 1000, we'll be right back. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, there's, there's zero. That, that's, what, that's what's so special about him. Forget all the athletic part. That guy, the way he attacks every single day and his approach and um, lead by example and, and, you know, doesn't ask anybody to do anything he doesn't expect of himself. I mean, that guy's a, he's, he's a natural-born leader type of guy. So we're, uh, we're, we're, we're lucky to have a guy like that leading this thing. And that is Luke Getze talking about his quarterback, Justin Fields, which, Brian, right out of the box, I always felt that he was a confident kid, had that ability to kind of lead, you know, something we really haven't seen. Uh, Some would argue Trubisky kind of sort of had that. Mm. Certainly never seemed like Jay Cutler did, but you know that's going back Mitch a little too far. Mitch wasn't the most charismatic in a No, in a job no, no, and I would agree. Justin Fields seems uh, much more in, and, in and that the, respect. The, the job demands it, right? Yep, you need to does. be that outgoing guy. Mm-hmm. You need to mm-hmm. command a huddle. Right. And, you know, Mitch, you can argue whether it was Matt Nagy who did him uh, no favors throughout the, their tenure here together. Um, I saw a headline uh, today that uh, Mitch Trubisky struggles at Pittsburgh training camp for the first few days. So, you know, I, my rule of thumb is never go to a basketball school to to take a second overall pick as a quarterback. That's just me. Um, That's a crazy thought, Brian, but yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but all the intangibles seem to be there with Justin Field, and that's terrific. Uh, you know, the maturity, first one in, last one out of the building. Work ethic, um, you know, communication skills, confidence, all of that. But to your question to Courtney about putting him in the fourth tier quarterbacks, we just don't know. Like you said, because there's there are things you liked from what you saw of him last year. You didn't like him putting the ball on the ground. Um, 
There are things he certainly needs to be better at, and we yes. still don't know if he's the franchise. It wasn't a real test last year. No, it just not no. was was not a real test. Something else Courtney said too that I, I kind of appreciate because it could be a uh, under promise over deliver scenario, which would be nice. That this regime seems to be saying everybody, we've got a lot of work to do. You know, Cole Komet said we've got a lot of work to do. Luke Getze said that. So there's no. Painting this rosy picture, there's no word salad, there's none of that. It's pretty direct, like, hey, everybody temper your expectations, which has the ability to, if things turn out better, I would love to be, you know, undersold and over-delivered. When you as a fan? I, I will say with confidence right now, and it might be stupid because of the state of the offensive line, and we don't know, uh, you know, what you have here in Justin Fields. But from what I've seen of this coaching staff and and some of the people on this team so far, they, they might they likely will not have a winning record in a 17 game season. I don't foresee a six game losing streak, which we saw too many times under the, uh, the former regime. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't see the things coming off the rails. Uh, you might lose two or three in a row. Um, the schedule is certainly going to help you because it's not the most difficult in the league. But you will not have the thing completely go awry. And I, I would also suggest you probably won't go uh, entire halves of football without scoring on a routine basis like the first half. Hey, don't get us so excited, Brian. Well, I mean, but the, the, to, to me, that's a low bar. Right? I, I, I know, should, I know. But yeah. it's, a, it's a bar that we would love to see. Right. Now, I could be completely wrong, but I really... You well, let's really go with to, it. I think we can go you, with it. You have to work at losing six consecutive games in, in the National Football <laughs> League. And, and Matt Nagy did that multiple it's times. It's amazing, isn't it? It's yeah. just amazing. And hopefully, after this season, that will be a distant and yet quite unfortunate memory. Let me, the old let, regime. So Mark Potash in the Sun-Times, uh, talking about Luke Getzey, uh, has a column and says Luke gets Luke Getzey, uh, colon, the most important man at Hallis Hall, more so than the head coach, more so than the quarterback, more so than. I can Rope see Watson. that point. No, I mean you can make that argument, yep. right? Because yep. he's got the the shiny new quarterback here. That he's got the keys, the shiny keys, and yep. he's got to get in, in short order. Has to see what that ceiling is and how quickly he can get there. And hopefully, I mean you can make that argument that. It because, you know, Nagy was a play caller till he fired himself. And he took the play calling back because his ego couldn't stop him. And then he fired himself a second time. You know, Luke Ketsy isn't getting fired. This is his deal. No, right? so, no. so This is going to be totally different. It's going to be a lot more quiet. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll see a lot more on the field that will be pleasing. Just out of the box, I would say that. Bear fan Bob, he's jumping in from Twin Lakes. Our buddy. Hey, Bear fan Bob, you're on with uh, Hanley and Xander, bud. Boys, good morning. Good morning. Are you on the boat? Bob, you fishing? Uh, No, that's tomorrow. I'm going to fish the big lake tomorrow. Okay. We're going to go for the big ones. All right. So long story short, I've been listening a little bit. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't need to see Bobby Douglas Pardue out there. (laughs) Or for our young Bear fans, you know, run, forest, run. I've seen enough of that with Mitchell Trubisky and the other quarterbacks because the rest of the team looks like a bunch of Keystone cops out there because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know where to be. And, you know, they've not been coached properly. I'd like to see for a change some timed plays. You know, nobody knows timing more than me. And uh, things like that, you know, throw the pass where, where the receiver is supposed to be at the correct time and maybe make a good over-the-shoulder catch and run run and get a touchdown and maybe keep the quarterback in the pocket for a change and not get him killed. 
But, you know, that, that's just me talking. And especially with having nosebleed seats, I get to see it all. And mm-hmm. I think we're probably even going to see a little bit of that on the first game. Even if they're kind of bad, and I get that, let's see if these players know where they're supposed to be and if they can execute. Execution is going to be the key. Guys, those are kind of my thoughts. Have a great day. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, buddy. And for anybody who doesn't know, he's a watchmaker. So watch yeah. repairman, uh, clock yeah. repairman. So Correct. he knows time. If and you, and you know, that needs fixing, he's there for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think, I hate to admit it, and Bob is hearing me right now. I think years ago, I had one in my possession from the family, and I don't know what happened to it. Was it an heirloom? Was it work? Yeah, well, it probably was uh, more than I want to admit because I just told you I lost track of it. It's probably gone. How do you now. lose track of a clock that size? I don't. Well, it wasn't that. No, it wasn't a grandfather oh, okay. it was, clock. It was, it was a, a mantle, cuckoo clock. Yeah, like a mantle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One you hang on the wall, but it was in the family forever, and mm-hmm. it just occurred to me not too long ago that it's like, whatever happened to that? I hate to admit that, but it was broken and it was probably tossed. Uh, we even got, a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and uh, <laughs> and, and and you're right. What what Bob had uh, you know said that I think if we all temper our expectations and we see these, uh, maybe the first game isn't going to be pretty, but I think we will see slow incremental improvements. I think we will see a lot of things we did not see under the uh, uh, you know the uh, pace and um, Nagy project, which. Which is all all I can ask for personally. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. You know what? Cautiously optimistic. We're going to hit break here. Come back and uh, we'll take your calls uh, about the Bears. We'll get back to talking White Sox. We've got some audio to play. If it comes, we'll talk trade deadline Tuesday at five p.m. Central. We haven't seen any movement on the uh, south side or the north side. Maybe we'll have some breaking news during the show today. I don't know, but we'll talk about all of that, and we want you to jump in. 312-332-3776 here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Watch us on Twitch today, every day. All day, twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago, brought to you by the Jim Ursay Collection, complete with new camera angles. So now you can see my nose hair. Oh, gee. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look good enough, don't do that, though. I wouldn't recommend it. So the MLB trade don't you deadline. Don't Sylvie's man groomer thing? Yeah. Uh, where he's had that on his body, I want no part of that. No, I'm not his personally, the one that he, he <laughs> right. recommends. Okay. Yeah, not, I was going to say, yeah, it's no not like sharing. he leaves it on the counter here for oh, everybody to use, a community no. groomer. He, no, thank no, you. No, there's usually a half, half bottle of whiskey there or something. Well, there still that. is. Yeah. There still is. I've been threatening to take this home, and every time I see it, it's Brothers Bun. Every time I see it, there's a little more missing. So I'm not sure. This is in a studio, so I'm not sure who's sipping during a show. Not Yerk? Carmen? I don't I'm know. I'm going to say Yerk. You think Jerk? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 312-332-3776. MLB trade deadline Tuesday, 5 p.m. Central. We're not expecting anything big on the south side, are we? I know I'm not. Nothing earth-shattering. Well, do you need... Do do we need something? Look, we need a dynamic move to change the, the, I don't know, the vibe or something. I mean, it's not coming from the top down. You know, uh, Tony's emotionless. He's enabling people. He's explaining things away. I've seen enough of this. 
Well, and we have a Twitter poll question out there. Uh, uh, what do the White Sox need most? Any uh, idea of what what is trendy? I've looked at it already. Yeah. Take I, a guess. I, because I, I, you know, the new manager was uh, Moniel, just because I'm a meathead, and that's been the story. Just take a guess, season. Brian. I know. It's, it's not even close. So a lefty power bat, okay, maybe. Uh, uh, fire Tony, yes, like yesterday. Um, wow. Running away with that one. It is. Um, it is. Uh, uh, and, and arguably, we need to do all three things. Yes. Well, and, and here's the thing, is Daryl Van Schouwen uh, at the Sun-Times, I've been trying to get you interested in David Robertson, former White Sox pitcher, uh, who's available. Hey, I, look, very, I'll, I'll take him. I just don't want to trade away any, any big deal. I don't want to trade away a name that I know. 137 uh, batting average uh, versus lefties. He's got a 183 ERA, his last 35 appearances, or his 35 appearances. He's uh, The slugging is 219. I mean, the numbers look good. He's cheap in terms of money, what's left on And his that contract. would be a return stint on the south side for him. Yep, absolutely. Yep. There, mm-hmm. There's a comfort level there. Yep. Uh, there's, there's an experience level there. Uh, Michael Givens is also in arm. Here's, here's a guy who was just a guy with the, the Cubs in the bullpen to start the season. And also in the last 16 outings, he's let up zero earned runs, zero earned runs, 20 strikeouts in 17 and a third innings pitched. And there are going to be a lot of people calling Jed Hoyer about him. Absolutely. I don't think there's any untouchables on the north side. No, no. And, and our Suzuki. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Beyond that, no. Well, and, and the other Twitter poll question is, will Marcus Stroman be a Cub after 5 o'clock Tuesday? Will he be traded? Yes or no. And when Jesse threw that out there about a month ago, when one of our conversations with Jesse, the great Jesse Rogers, I was like, wait, well, what? I know I, mean, I know he can opt out after two years of his contract. And now that he's back off the injured list, he's pitching like the guy they signed and expected. And nothing's off the table, like you said. No. I, I've, I've voted that he will not be a Cub after Tuesday. I don't I, think he will either. There's too many people that need starting pitching. The absolutely. Cubs are actually sitting in a decent spot right now. Yep. They can entertain offers on anybody, and the longer they wait, the more they're going to get, and we'll see how Jed can manage these trades and these assets he would be returning. Because, again, it's a rebuild. I don't care what he wants to call it. It's a full-out rebuild. It, it, and it's interesting because... Gordon Whitmire, NBC Sports Chicago, wrote a column saying, how about the Cubs go and get Carlos Rodon after he opts out of the contract with San Francisco this season? Oh, that would hurt my heart. And then you don't trade Stroman. You envision Rodon, Stroman, and and Keegan Thompson, and Justin Steele, and and, Kyle Hendricks, whatever he's still got left for it. All of a sudden, how much closer are you uh, to being a team that can contend in the division? So... You can pick a lane if you're Jed Hoyer. You can have a bigger picture plan where you're going to add a guy like Carlos Rodon and pay what he's making twenty million with the Giants uh, uh, per year on a two-year contract, and he can opt out after this season. So you're going to have to give him four years at you know eighty million, eighty-five million, whatever it is. Um, it'll be interesting because you'll, you'll know by Tuesday which which road is he going, still going down the road of tearing this thing down or. If Strowman's still around, you know, all of a sudden you start thinking what they might do in the offseason. 312-332-3776, a challenge for ESPN listeners. Within reason, now don't call and say Juan Soto, because that's just not going to happen. But within reason, what's the one move the Cubs should make or the Sox should make? If you have, if Rick Hahn or Jed Hoyer calls you today and say, hey, 
you get one move to make, what would that move be? Again, within reason, pie in the sky stuff ain't going to work. Like the Juan Soto thing for either team, that's pie in the sky. It's not going to work. It'll be interesting where he ends up. Could be the Mariners. Uh, And and boy, if that that would turn that team into into instant uh uh-oh, especially for the Astros. Well, and here's the thing. You know, we talk about Juan Soto to the Yankees because Aaron Judge doesn't look like he's got the the same numbers that the But they got their guy. Were you surprised at and and how about that? What a class guy. He won't he won't get vaccinated to make the trip for his uh, Kansas City team when they went up to to Toronto. But the Yankees call him and said, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, because we might have to go up there for the playoffs. So Andrew being attendees convictions are all based on whether it's a winning team or not. Um, but they were supposedly the runners up to Luis Castillo uh, with the Reds. You know, the Reds traded him mm-hmm. to the to Mariners, as we mentioned, yep. for those prospects. And of course, the Yankees are in every conversation, right? And why can't you know? Why can't my team, the Cubs, get back to to being that that team where you you expect to win every year? And you don't take no for an answer, and you, you're in every conversation for whatever big-time player is available. And I can say the same for the South Side, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. And although this year was supposed to be some sort of year, other than it has turned out to be, 312-332-3776, the frustration is palatable on the South Side. When we come back in two minutes, we'll talk about Lance Lynn, the pitcher we thought bounced back until he didn't. We'll take your calls, too. 312-332-3776. It's Andrew and Hanley on ESPN 1000.